0: And so today, we're continuing that series, A Bigger Table, and what we're going to do is we're going to talk this morning about radical hospitality. Would you say that with me? Radical, radical hospitality. hospitality. I can tell some of you really like that word radical a more than you like the word hospitality. But would you just say that with me? Radical hospitality. Radical hospitality. Radical hospitality. See, that's what Jesus demonstrated when he was here on earth. And as I think about radical hospitality, several weeks ago, I attended an event. I was out of town and, and uh, I was, uh, was called and invited to an event. And this event was uh, an event to honor someone in the community that uh, w- represented the salt and light that Jesus speaks about. And uh, as I was invited to this event, it was one hour before the event, and I was in the car traveling, and they said that, uh, I want to invite you to this event, it starts in an hour, and I go, well, I'm not dressed appropriately for the event. And they said that, oh, that's okay, it's not a dress code, and you're good, as a matter of fact, they said that I'm in a t-shirt, a work t-shirt, so come on, you'll be comfortable And so I got there about 20 minutes early. And when I got there, I noticed that everybody had on jackets and and ties and and business attire. And do you know what's amazing about that? This represented a group of the guys that were that were at that event. And so I called him and said, I'm not gonna be able to come. You know, I just don't feel like that I am. And he's go, no, 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 you've gotta come. So I walked in, and when I walked in, I didn't feel welcome. I felt really uncomfortable. One is because I was dressed differently than most of the people that were there. And uh, no one was really rude to me, but I just felt awkward. I felt like I was not welcomed. I felt like I was unwanted. Now, throughout the program, the music was great. There was a guy that sang, great is thou faithfulness. I mean, I was, if I had a jacket and, and, a, and a tie on, I would have stood up and said, oh, <laughs> While everybody else was seated, but I was so conscious, I was like, hey, I'm going to even raise my hand. The message that the honoree gave was amazing. It was great. I enjoyed that. But immediately following the event, I left quickly because I still felt awkward. I felt unwelcomed, and I did not feel comfortable. And perhaps you've been that way. You've gone to a place where or you've got, went to, gone to a gathering where you did not feel welcome. You did not feel comfortable. Not that somebody was rude to you, but you just wish that you was, were somewhere else. And so uh, there's, a, there's something I want to share with you because um, we can usually tell when we are being accepted and when we're being tolerated. And I, and I love the way uh, uh, Mike Murdoch says that uh, you cannot change what you tolerate. You cannot change what you tolerate. Or he says, what you tolerate, you cannot change. And then there's another great thing that he says. He says, go where you are celebrated instead of where you are tolerated. And that's a great saying because if we think about it in our lives, that's exactly what we do. We go where we are celebrated, where we are uh, valued. We go where we are welcome, not where we are tolerated. And when we come to a place where we feel like that we are tolerated rather than welcome, then what's true is that we make a decision and we decide if we want to stay and we make a decision and we decide if we want to come back. And that's true regardless of if it is a restaurant, it's true if it's a hotel, it's true even if you're doing business with a business and it's also true with the church. But Jesus calls us to accept and to receive one another rather than tolerate one another. And he had a radical type of hospitality because Jesus would gather with people that were different from him. He would gather uh, with people that others really looked down on. And you know what I was thinking about this is that, you know, I've always wondered why that I kind of just feel like something when people have this, for the sake of a better word, I'll say elitist or superior type attitude, where they say, oh, I don't shop at that place. You know what, I gotta tell you, can I just be honest with you this morning? Do you know that when I was in college, I shopped at Mr. Goody? You don't know, Mr. it's a store all over, the world, all over the country. You may know it as Goodwill, but, but, but I would go and I would get those stylish jackets, $5, those stylish pants, and I was clean in college. That's how Gwen noticed me. I was clean. But no one knew that I had gotten that from Mr. Goody. I didn't go around saying, hey, this is from Mr. Goody. They would say, Liddell, man, you be clean. And I, I'd say, yeah, <laughs> if you only knew. But, but, but also, um, one of the things that's amazing is that when people also say that that's a bad area, or those are bad people. It's an elitist or superior type of mentality where we began to look down on other people that perhaps don't look like you do look, that don't have what you have, don't have the degree that you have, or don't have the economical level that you have in life. You know, I have a a friend of mine, and he says, you know, when I go in a parking lot, what I do is I go in their parking lot and I start praying. And I'll drive in, and our, our, our kids, it's a great testimony for our kids, I'll drive in, and i go, Father, thank you, Lord God, for a parking space that's close to the door. And I'll drive in, and, you know, a parking place would be close to the door, first, second. Uh, it's amazing. And, uh, but I had a friend, and I was doing that. We were riding the car together, and uh, I was, I, I was uh, praying for a good parking space. And he says, well, I never take the first parking space. I, I like to serve others, and I leave it for someone else. But yet I've heard that same friend throw out his title, throw out his position to establish authority. And what's interesting about that is that Jesus sat at a table and he says that, they said that, uh, who's at your right hand? And Jesus says, gosh, I am the master and I am the one who should be served, but I did not come to be served. I came to what? To serve. And what a wonderful example that it's not talk, but it's real action. It was a radical type of hospitality. Now, there's somebody that I know and you know too, but uh, Pastor Gwen is a, she loves a party. And every party that she's a part of is going to be a good party. She is radical when it comes to hospitality. Gwen, I'm going to ask you if you would come out at this particular time. And so what, what, what I want uh, to do is I just want to ask you just a couple of questions before you go, because I believe that you can help all of us to understand a hospitality and what hospitality is. When, when, when you think about uh, hospitality, or when you ha- hear hospitality,
1: what comes to your mind? What do you think about? When you come to my house, you're And we can have tea, we can have water, we can have conversation, but I just want you to feel welcome.
0: So when you think of hospitality, you think of people that where where you've created an environment for them to be welcomed, or
1: I have created an environment for them to walk in, and if they want to take off their shoes, they can, because that's the environment that I have. Well, what about set up. what about
0: some of the art and some of the other like carpet? You know, because we, we had a dog for many years. He was an amazing dog for 17 years, and I didn't like for him to go on the carpet. But I like for him to be in the house, but I ain't like for him to be on the carpet, cause I just didn't want I just didn't want any accidents that I couldn't clean up. So I think about you know when you have like kids coming to your house and when you have uh, people, because if you think about it, people value different things. Just and start. so when you have people that may not value the same thing that you value, how can you still? Make them comfortable and feel wanted and not uncomfortable.
1: Well, a couple of years ago, we had a gathering at the house. And I i was always, uh, before Liddell married me, was an egg collector. So I collected eggs everywhere we went. People would give me eggs. So I have this huge collection of eggs and uh, beginning of life. And uh, that's what it meant to me. And I had an ostrich egg. And it's a big uh, uh, tan-looking egg. And... One of the kids knocked it over and broke it. And it was, a ve- it was valuable to me.
0: Yeah, I, rem- I, I, re- remember I, rem- that? I remember that, that but v- how valuable did- that
1: was. I didn't put the family out, and I didn't tell everybody they had to leave. I was like, okay. Well, do you know, it wasn't a month ago. Somebody went on vacation and bought me an ostrich egg back from their vacation. And it put me back in the mind of nothing's lost when you're serving God. Nothing's lost. He can replace everything, even the things you forgot about. He can replace them. But it's all about being who he called you to be, being hospitable, welcoming people no matter what, uh, confession. Max used to get on the carpet when I was around. (laughs) Every now and then, you know. Even when we would go and he'd go through our bedroom from one end to the other. and You knew he did that. Mm. But I didn't beat him about that. Mm, And I mm, didn't mm. tell on him either.
0: Now that's radical. (laughs) Hospitality. So so what is it that, have you ever uh, just been out where it was a gathering and you saw someone that did not, seemed like that they were, felt comfortable, that they feel like that felt, it seemed like that they were unwanted, or they just didn't feel like they belonged. What are your thoughts about that, and how would you handle a situation like that?
1: Well, I think I, I mean, I generally try to include everybody, so I'd go up, and I'd say, hi, and how are you, and I'd, I'd make myself, uh, uh, make, make the conversation a little bit more comfortable for them, just ask a few questions, and and that's it. And just invite them to where I am. It's not about leaving them there. It's about inviting them in. So if they're not, if they don't feel like they're included anywhere, whereas it was my responsibility to include them. So that's what I would do. I would get there and include them to where I am.
0: Hmm. The, uh, I guess the last question that I wanted to ask you is that have you ever tried to be hospitable to someone who didn't believe the way you believe, who may not have the same lifestyle that you had, how did you um, handle and treat them in certain environments as well as in your own home?
1: Well, I mean, I have, I mean, I've experienced even going into someone's house as a part of our evangelism that we do here. And I went into someone's house and they had a refrigerator, but they didn't have utilities. So you can imagine, you know, but you go in and you say, God loves you no matter what. You still treat them the same way you would want to be treated. And then you work on helping them to get to that next level. The the, the very thing that we did here at the Champion Center, we made it very comfortable for them to live in their home.
0: So when you say that God loves you, It's not just words, it's also what was done to help them see the love that God had expressed through you.
1: Absolutely. You can tell people you love them all day long, but unless you show them how you love them, then that makes a difference.
0: Let's begin to uh, take a look here a little bit further as Jesus uh, tells us to love one another and not just tolerate one another. Because I believe that when the church tolerates one another, that we create a table that's too small for the name of Jesus that we proclaim. But we expand the table in the way we expand the table by providing the kind of hospitality that embraces everyone. I want you to just kind of see this because we're going to take a look in verses 8, 9, and 10. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 8 through 10. And champions, would you read that with me together now? Above all, continue to love each other deeply deeply. Because love covers a multitude of sins. And notice this, that Jesus says, love one another deeply. He says deeply. And what's, what's interesting about that, he was talking about the end is coming. And uh, there were a group of people that were um, religious people that were really talking about. Uh, they had this superior thing where they, only, they really wanted a small table. And they wanted to be around people that were really like them. And they began to look at Jesus and see how he had a bigger table and that he would invite everyone in and embrace everyone that was willing to come to the table. And uh, so he says to them, and then even in another passage, he began to tell them that uh, he began to tell them that uh, in Matthew, he says that uh, even the sinners and the prostitute will get into heaven before you simply because they would not obey and demonstrate hospitality. I don't know about you, but I last thing I want to do is be on this earth for 120 years and then think I'm going to heaven, but didn't because he says, get away from me. I did not know you. And so notice this. Jesus says that this is one of the elements. He says that the people will know my disciples by the love they have for who? One another. So notice how significant it is, but the enemy will cause us to be so self-absorbed that we'll look at what's comfortable for us. And you know what I've noticed is that when people that are giving access that did not have access previously, when those people are given access, those that are in position, those that are in authority, or those that are privileged become threatened thinking that they're going to lose something. And as a result of that, that they resist and they reject and try to uh, keep those that are looking to move up. To, to keep them down. And so Jesus says, he says, I want you to love deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Look at this next uh, verse in verse 9. He says it like this. Let's read it together. Now, show hospitality to one another without. So, so how, in, how do we love? How do we love deeply? He says you love deeply by showing hospitality to one another. What does he mean? When he says hospitality, what is hospitality? Loving someone deeply or embracing them, not based on what they can do for you, not based on who they are, not based on the life that they've lived, not based on uh, um, what you know about them, but based on them having the breath of God in them. And if we really think about it, anybody that's living are living because they have the breath of God. God breathed into them and they became a living soul. Now, we know that uh, when we invite Jesus into our lives, we're, we, we have the Holy Spirit, we are born again. But we're born simply because of the breath that God has given us. And you know what's amazing? Is can you believe how much it would cost for you to be on a breathing machine for an entire year? If you're on a breathing machine for an entire year, how expensive that is. You know, I've, I've, I've seen... Uh, family members that are sick with a $248,000 hospital bill in one month. Now, so can you imagine being on a a breathing machine for a year, but yet, and, and you're restricted. You can't move around. You can't do some things. You're restricted as to what you can do, but notice what the Bible tells us the Bible tells us God's given us a life that he gives it to us abundantly. So notice what happens. Not only does he breathe life into us, but we're not restricted to a bed. We can walk around. We can enjoy life. We can celebrate life with our family and with our friends. And so he says, love one another deeply. He says, show hospitality without complaining. Oh, they eat all the food up. They always ask you. in the other day, uh, she waited. Uh, uh, we were, I, I wouldn't say we were waiting each other out but we were sitting there and we love to sit together and, she's, and, and we, we love to, uh, you know, eat together. And we, uh, you know, and so when I get up and she says, oh, Liddell, bring me a bottle of water. And that's not where I was going. And I was like, thank you, Lord, for having this word so fresh on my heart. And so I, 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 I had self-control. And I went into a place, and I got her a bottle of water. But Gwen likes room temperature. And I got it out of the refrigerator because I got me one. And she says, Liddell, cold water? (laughs) And I said, oh, honey, I got this because I'm going to have two bottles. And I went back and got her. (laughs) Show hospitality how? Without what? Without complaining. So notice this, that as Gwen talked about, You know, going to a house and they've got a refrigerator, but it doesn't serve its purpose if there's no electricity. And, and, and can you imagine what life might be like? Um, that there are so many people that's just one paycheck away from being in the same condition. But yet when we have it many times that we take for granted essentially what God has, has blessed us with. And so we show hospitality without complaining. And then notice this next verse, verse 10. Let's read it together. Now, as good servant managers of God's grace in its various forms... Serve one another. Serve one another with the gift each of you has received. Serve one another. (laughs) So notice this. He says that we are managers of God's grace, we are servants of God's grace. Wow, isn't that good news? We are servants of God's grace. Wait a minute, what is grace? To be a manager, what happens? is that we are stewards, so we're taking care of what belongs to someone else. So grace doesn't belong to us, but it is something we steward that has been given us access by God. So we recognize then, how does this all work together? Grace is giving someone something that they do not deserve. That's what grace is. It's like, you know you don't deserve. We have access by faith into something we do not deserve. So notice this. He's saying that you are stewards and managers of God's grace. So what do you do? You give it to others, not because you feel they deserve it, but you give it to others just as God has given it to you. And so we begin to see that and we we go like our table, perhaps in our lives have been too small that we may surround ourselves only with believers. We only hang out with believers. We only go places where believers go. And God's saying that your table is too small, that he wants you to have a bigger table. And so there is a uh, something that just kind of struck me this week because one of the things that hospitality does is hospitality attributes value to people. And that's so significant is that when, when people feel like they belong, when people feel welcome, when people feel warm, th- then now um, they feel valued. They feel valued. Uh, let me just tell you a quick story, and, and uh, Gwen uh, was going went to a restaurant locally and Gwen's always dressed really really wonderful and she's got her uh everything on and she's really and she had this this uh this hat on it was a a, a dress hat and um the manager of this restaurant came up to her and said that oh I'm sorry ma'am that you'll have to you you, you can't uh uh have uh lunch here because we don't allow hats and she looked around well let's say it was a cap but it was a dressy cap with all the stuff on it. you know how bling and and she and she was like really taken back and um she looked around and there were people with baseball caps on in there and so the manager told her and she was like really oh my god so can you imagine what you feel like she's got this jewelry on and they're saying oh, week you can't wear a cap but yet there are other people that have baseball caps on not dress caps and so um so when, you, when, you, when people are hospitable to you, what you do is you feel valued and, it, it, and they, they say you are valued and you're welcome. And then the second thing it does, is it reduces fear of being rejected. And what happens is that when followers of Christ, no matter where you are, when followers of Christ are hospitable to others, what you say to them... Is that regardless of your past rejections, if you invite them to your house, if you invite them in, in, into the church, regardless of your past rejections, that this place is a different kind of place. And people no longer have to uh, be uh, fearful of being rejected. And so I believe that as we uh, take a look at this, and is, is that it's so critical then that what is the one thing that's so uh, important that we are to do? And I believe that the first thing that is necessary to have a bigger table where you have mature believers, new believers and the unchurched, what would it be like if the church was a place where the unchurched would love to attend? What would that be like? How amazing that would be where they felt loved, not judged, where they were embraced and not uh, uh, pushed aside. What would that be? How amazing would that be? And one of the things I believe is so critical for that to take place is that we really have to be authentic. We have to be real. And you know that the number one reasons why the unchurched say that they do not come to church is because in the church there's so many hypocrites. And what that is, is the people that say one thing but live a different way. And so this is a phrase that I wrote down this week that just really touched me. And that is that although the church is supposed to be calm as you are, Most of our lives are about perception management, that we seek to live our lives managing the perception that other people have of us. Let's think about that. Because if we would truly admit our spiritual journey is somewhere between managing the tensions that occur between our faith and an occasional doubt, that's what happens so often. And, you know, know, there are some super spiritual people that are always at a level of faith and their faith is always there and they never doubt about anything. I'm just not the one of those. There's some things I question, but there's some super spiritual people that'll say, oh, I'm just in faith. But many times what they're doing is managing their perception because there is a tension between faith and a tension between an occasional doubt. There's a man that came to Jesus and he says that, Jesus, your disciples? I could not heal, heal my son. And he, and he says that... Uh, I know you can if you will. And, 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 and Jesus asked him, he says, do you believe? And this man said, yes, I believe. Help my unbelief. You know what? This man was so genuine and honest with God. He was so genuine and honest with Jesus that he says, you know, I believe, but there's an occasional doubt because I was expecting the authority and the power that you had given your disciples, I did not see the result of that. I was expecting it, but I did not see it. But I believe, but wherever there is doubt, help my unbelief. If we'll all, if we'll all be honest in our spiritual journey, we too are stand between those places. Tension of faith, we believe, but there are times when we also should say, help my unbelief belief. Why? Why not? Why do we not? It's because we're managing perception. What's interesting is that we began to look at the things that we have, uh, have, have experienced in our lives, all of our lives, that there may be a prayer that God did not answer or that you did not see the answer the way that you expected. And so you're standing between your, your, your faith and your occasional, occasional doubt. And although the Bible says, and people repeat it all the time, that if you believe and not doubt, you shall have what you say. That's what the word of God says. But how many of you know that we live in the fallen world? What if the church was a place that we didn't have to pretend? And people didn't judge you by your weaknesses, but they embraced you as a sister and a brother. And even at the moment that I say that, most of you are so uncomfortable to even think that. That how can it be a place that, I, I don't have to pretend. I don't have to manage the perception that other people have of me. But you know what? That's what Jesus was saying when He says that we need a bigger table. That it's not—it's not that you're looking at it and everybody has everything on the right way. Every, everybody's doing the everything right. But He's saying that there are some people that have addictions. There are some people that are lost. There are some people that do not have the same lifestyle. There are some people that do not believe what you believe regarding marriage. But yet I've called you to be, to love them deeply. And when you love them deeply, they'll experience the grace. And when you experience the grace, you can no longer stay in the darkness. You grace pulls you toward the marvelous light. What would life be like if, if that's what the, the church was? It had a bigger table, not just people that were in a holy huddle, but a people that opened up and began to embrace and to welcome those in that were on the outside. For I have sent you, Eli, Jesus. This is the prayer that he prayed in John 17. Father God, make them one as you and I are When He was praying about you. That I have sent them into the world. Do not take them out of the world. So why is it that, 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 that we don't want to be around people that, don't have, that have the same, different beliefs, different lifestyle? Why is it I put them in the world, but they are not of the world? Oh, my gosh. So what happens? Well, let me give you this example. I was playing golf. And I'm like on the third hole, and they mash me up with somebody. I don't know these people. But boy, these guys were something else. And I know that they were married because they had a marriage ring on and I know the way they were talking, that they were married, they were friends. But there's this lady starts jogging by and as she starts jogging by, they're like, ooh, look at her. And they just kept doing just things like that. And I go, well, her? Man, I, I've got better than that at home. Does your wife know you talk like that? There, you know what? There was a conviction that they had, that changed the overall atmosphere. And so as we continued to play, we started talking, we started enjoying each other. And you know what? At the end of that round, they looked at me and they shook my hand and they says, man, thank you so much. I really enjoyed our time together. So as we look at this, one of the things that's so critical is if the church is a place where you have to manage the perception of yourself, if the church is a place where you can only be the edited you, if the church is the place where you have to carefully sh- a sheer and insecure and selective version of yourself, then what happens is that we become religious rather than relational. And if we become religious, what we do is we fight against the very intimacy that God desires to have with us. And so it's important then that we recognize that God desires for us to not be judges, but he desires for us to be lovers. One of my favorite passages is in Mark chapter 14, and uh, you can read it a little bit later. It's in verse 3 through 9. And Mark tells the story of a woman opening up an alabaster box. And this is a box of expensive, expensive perfume. She pours it on Jesus. She, her tears, she cries. Um, her uh, tears washes his feet. Her hair uh, dries his feet. And so this woman, uh, uh, others around her were complaining about her. And Jesus says, leave her alone that what she has done is significant. And he says these words as he tells a parable. And he says that uh, "To, to whom little is forgiven, little they appreciate. But to whom much is forgiven, they appreciate much. Jesus was saying, this lady's life in the past was so bad. But she recognizes because of radical hospitality that She has value. And the fear of our past rejections, now it's a new season because I have come on the scene. Do you know what's amazing about that? Is that I've read that many times. I've read that for year after year. I've taught messages on that. But I miss a very critical phrase in that particular passage. Because it's in Mark chapter 14, verse 3. Look at this. Come on, champions, would you read that with me like we know it is the word of his power. Let's read it together now. While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon, oh my God. See, see I've looked for great revelation in that passage of scripture, and I've overlooked this right here because this introduction to the story that Jesus is telling this introduction here is a story within itself. What do you mean? Because the, uh, uh, Jesus is a, is a house guest and, and a table companion of the least respected person in the, in the community. This was a time when a leper could not be in public. And if they were in public, they had to cry out, unclean, unclean, so they could not touch someone and contaminate those who thought they were superior. And then then here Jesus has come to his house and he's sitting at his table. And Jesus is saying, what others say that you are unvaluable, Jesus says, your fellowship is valuable. Because before I came, yes, you might have called out unclean and declaring, all. how would you like to walk down the street and talk about all the uh, sins that you have in your life? How would you like to walk down Louisiana Street in, 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 in downtown and begin to talk about all the misgivings that you've had, all the shows that you watched, all the wrong? How would you like to do that? But yet there was a time when that's exactly what they did. And Jesus says, before I came, it was one way, but now I have come and the kingdom of heaven is upon you. Therefore, your fellowship is valuable. What did Jesus do? Jesus said that the table has been too small. And we need bigger table. And he says that we need a bigger table. And as Jesus announces and pronounces his worth of fellowship, perhaps there are chances that are in your life, chances where at some point in your life you felt unwanted. Has there been a time in your life where you felt that you were not welcome? Has there been a gathering that you felt that you were uncomfortable and you wished that you were just somewhere else? In other words, perhaps there was some point in your life where you were a leper in a gathering and everyone was distant away from you and you were in a place where where you wanted to belong. You wanted to feel welcomed. You wanted to be comfortable, but yet you were treated like a leper. Jesus says, that's why we need bigger table, and he says that I invite you to come, and I invite you to come and sit at the table.